we're going to pick up at, at verse 9. Uh, we, we went through verse 9 uh, last week, but always have to go back just a little bit to uh, kind of cover some things before. But verse 9, it says, For this is the word of promise, as this, at this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to the election, might stand not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger, and it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Verse 14, What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but God showeth mercy. For the Scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath, the mercy, hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and, and whom he will he hardeneth. Thou wilt say then unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? For who, ha who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made us thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay and the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love and your goodness. Please, Spirit of God, guide us through this time and, and uh, help me to have wisdom as I speak. And, Lord, give me clarity of mind and Holy Spirit of God, I yield myself to Thee and ask You, please, guide my mind, my thoughts tonight, especially as we as we delve into a passage that's uh, uh, maybe a little bit more confusing at times, or or thought provoking, and and uh, causes us to search. But that's a good thing, Lord, as we have to search Your Scriptures and as as we uh, have to come to You and plead with You for guidance and direction. We need that, Lord, and, and uh, I yield myself to Thee and ask You please bless tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. The, um, uh, really hard for me right now, I'm sitting here uh, thinking, trying to keep my mind on all this, because right now I'm trying to think where Joe Beth is, if he's over the Atlantic by now or not, and so, uh, uh, but just pray for her. She'll arrive in, uh, in Brussels at about 2 a.m. our time, but it'll be 9 a.m. in Brussels, or I think it's actually about 9.30, and, uh, and she'll arrive about 2.30 our time. But, uh, and so from there, then she's got about an hour and a half, and she jumps on another plane and goes six and a half more hours down to uh, Accra, uh, which is uh, the, the capital of, of Ghana. And then when she gets there, then she's got six more hours driving uh, to get to the location where they live. So better pray for her. She's going to be one weary little girl. And so... Uh, she needs your prayers. But verse 9, it says, For this is the word of promise, at this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. So if you remember from last week that the seed that God had chosen was the seed of Abraham, but the seed of Abraham through Sarah. Uh, and so it was the unity of Abraham and Sarah. And that's what we were talking about last week. Hopefully you were here last week and remember that. But 
And that's what this is talking about. But then it says in the very next verse, it says, and not only this. He says, not only is from Abraham and Sarah, he says, not only this, but when Rebecca also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac. So he's saying that, yes, it was Abraham and Sarah, and it was passed to Isaac. Now, there's a lot in here, that you, and I won't take a whole lot of time on this, but the reason I think it's so definitive is because it is the one son, and we're about to find that what happens when there's two. And so there's this one son, and it's making it, make it real clear. There's no question about it. It went from Abraham and Sarah to Isaac, the one son uh, that he had chosen through Abraham and Sarah. So you got Isaac, and then you got Isaac and Rebekah. And, uh, and so the promise is going to continue. The promise continued through Isaac and Rebekah. But now this is where it starts to get, you know, I guess the best terminology is it can get confusing. It can get a little bit, so it, it really pushes your mind a little bit as you start to look at, at, these, at these verses. Verse 11, it says, For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to the election, uh, might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. So you got this verse 11 now, and what it's, what it's, what it's about to talk about, it's talking about uh, Rebecca's children. Now, she has twins, okay? And so God's about to address this issue because what we have now is we don't have just one son, so it's a given who this is going to pass through. Now we've got two sons. So uh, it almost seems harsh, but before the children were born to Isaac or Rebecca, and before they had a chance to do good or evil, before these children were ever born, God's making it real clear, God had already chosen Jacob to be the one who the Messiah would come. And so he says, before they were ever born, before there was any good or evil, and now why is God saying this? He's, he's saying this because he wants us to understand that, that, look, you don't get chosen by God for whatever you do. You, you don't get called by God to preach because you're, you're good. Okay, that's all he's saying. He's not saying that. I'm not doing this. I've said this to so many uh, young preachers. You know, look, God uses us in spite of us, not because of us. Okay, because we're all such sinners. We're, we, we've all got so many weaknesses, uh, and I won't call names, but back uh, when I was teaching uh, homiletics and preaching class, they would, uh, they, <clears throat> there was a fellow that was out west, and, and uh, he, you know, I, there's no other way to say it. He was a preacher. He had built a great big church, but he cussed. And, and uh, I mean, he didn't cuss a little bit. He cussed in the pulpit. And, and uh, he, had a, he had a huge church out west, and I went and preached out there one time, and, and, uh, and he had a red button on the pulpit up there. And I said, what's the red button for? And he said, he said uh, well, that's when I want to, I'm on the radio, and that's when I want to say something. I don't want to go out on the radio. I push that button, and it mutes me from the radio. And, and, I, and I was out there, and I think, no. Okay, now this fella, he, he was running about 1,800 people. He had this huge church, seeing all kinds of people saved. He was, t- he was old, you know, former police officer and, and all this, and he was rough as he could be. But that old fella, he no telling what would come out of his mouth. Sometimes. And I don't mean he just nonsensically cussed. He, he, as they put it, he never cussed anybody that didn't need a cussing. And so uh, that's the way they put it. And, and here's what would happen. Some of the young boys would listen, and they would hear him somewhere 
or we had several of them that came to Bible college from there. And, and they would think, okay, to cuss is how you're going to build a big church. And I would say to them, listen to fellas, I don't condemn him a little bit, not even a little bit, because I got so many issues. He may do something just visible. We got a whole lot of things that are not visible. But watch this. God didn't, God's not using him because he cusses. God's using him in spite of it. Do you understand? I can't even explain it other than maybe nobody else went out west to do anything, and he did. But, but God, God used murderers. Did you ever notice that? God used adulterers. God used people that, honestly, we would never use. But he uses people in spite of. Now, so it almost seems harsh, but before children were born to Isaac and Rebekah, God had chosen one over the other. Genesis 25, 23 says this, And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people. And listen to this, and the elder shall serve the younger. Now, they, they, you know, they're just seconds younger and older, uh, but they're still, he's talking about, of course, Jacob and Esau, they're coming to being, and Jacob is going to be the younger. You see, though, here's, here's why God's addressing this the way, way it is, is because common sense tells us that at this point, the genealogy of Christ could only come through one of them. And so this whole thing has to be addressed. Before this, there was only one. There was, there was Isaac. So we don't even have to deal with it. But now we got to deal with it. we got to deal with the fact that, watch this, here's what we got to deal with. we got to deal with the fact that God chose one, one twin over the other twin. God chose one over the other. And so he could not, but, but watch this, God had to. Everybody okay with that? God had to because he couldn't come through both of them. So one had to be chosen. Now, I, I, you know, I have a little bit of a feeling why God chose the younger because tradition and, and the, the, in man's mind, in man's way, it was always the oldest that would be, would, be, would be put up. It would always be the oldest that would get all the, you know, the greater, get the, the birthright. It would be the oldest but I believe that God is just one more time saying, let me just show you who is God. Because even though everybody thinks it ought to be the oldest, I'm going to tell you it's going to be the youngest. Now, one had to be selected. God is God, so he can select whoever he wants and for whatever reason. But also it had to come to a point of decision, so somebody had to be chosen. That's what we've got to realize because the, the tendency in man is to question God but because we think, okay, I think that's unfair. I think it's unfair. I think that the oldest ought to, ought to why would you choose the youngest? Well, why did, you just, why, did, why did God choose David instead of all of his other brothers? Because he's God. Amen. Now, one man had to be selected, one man had to be chosen. Man's method and choice would be the elder son, the firstborn. But God, proving himself to God, chooses unlike a man and chooses the younger. And as I said, it's much like David in, in Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16. But God does not see as a man sees. This chapter, though, 
what we're going to see in this chapter, and this is what I believe, and again, uh, what y'all get from me is, is really not what I read from, from books and what somebody else, this is what I, I see from these scriptures. And in this, this chapter, I believe, is teaching these two things. I believe it's teaching the sovereignty of God and the foreknowledge of God, and those two things are not exactly the same. The sovereignty of God and the foreknowledge of God. Sovereignty demonstrating that he has the right to do whatever he wants to do. You know, God's sovereign, so he can choose however he wants to choose. And, and you know what? Paul's going to address this several times in here. He's going he's to hit at this thing like, okay, why are you questioning God? Why do you think God uh, doesn't have a right to do this? Uh, he's saying over and over again, God can do whatever he wants to do. That's the sovereignty of God. But also the foreknowledge of God, uh, the foreknowledge of the choices that people will make. You see, God made his decision about Jacob and Esau before they were born, before they ever, they ever physically did anything good or evil. But does God know what they're going to do? God knows. He has foreknowledge. He knows the choices they're going to make. Now, verse 13, it says this. As it is written, Jacob have I loved. This has been such an abused verse, but Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. And the, the Calvinists love to use this, and they love to use this to, to predestination, and, and God cho- chooses some people to heaven and some people to hell. Here's the first thing, and I'm getting way, way ahead of myself, but first thing I want you to understand, in this verse and in this passage, in this chapter, it never says anything about heaven and hell about these people. It never says that God is choosing one to heaven or hell. This statement, as is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated, doesn't say that he sent one to hell and one to We don't know where Esau went. Truth is, we don't know where Jacob went. No, uh, we uh, loved, by definition, has partially this definition, loved uh, to be well-pleased or to be contented at or be contented with something. So he's saying of Jacob, I'm contented with him. I'm well-pleased with him. Well, you know, you can love a child and be well-pleased with him, or you can love a child and be displeased with him. Anybody know that? Am I the only parent here? We can, and what God is saying here, this word hated, it's to to detest. It even has a, uh, a definition to persecute. But, but what it's, 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 again, it's talking about in their human life. It's not talking about eternity. There are a couple of key things to notice here. First, there's nothing here that says Jacob was chosen for heaven and Esau was chosen for hell. Number two, God is sovereign and chose Jacob before they were born, but I believe because of his foreknowledge. He knew the choice Esau would make. And I want you to look. Genesis chapter 25, if you want to look at it, Genesis chapter 25, verse 31. Genesis chapter 25, verse 31. It says, Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, behold, I am at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do me? And Jacob said, swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. 
And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. You see, God in his foreknowledge looks at a boy, a twin, uh, that's going to be born first, but in his foreknowledge he sees that, that Esau despised his God-given birthright. Now, just something that might teach us a little bit, or may, it's just a little bit of a comparison you find in Luke. And again, you don't have to turn there, I, I turn so quick. But Luke chapter 12, verse 8 and 9 says this, Also I say unto you, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. And, and, and look, I think this sort of teaches the same sort of principle. Esau said, I don't care about my birthright. God says, then you're not going to have it. But if Esau had not sold his birthright, again, we don't know the mind of God, but if Esau had not sold his birthright, you say, but God had already said the, the uh, uh, older is going to serve the younger. But if Esau didn't sell his birthright, watch this, then God would know that he wasn't going to sell his birthright. So if you go back in the mind of God, God might not say that the younger is going to serve the older, or older is going to serve the younger. But God in his foreknowledge, that's why it's, it's, it's God's foreknowledge is so important in all of this. A rejection of the birthright is to say that you despise it and find no value in it. I'm sure that God, listen to this now, I'm sure, see Jacob, by the definition, you might know the net definition of the word Jacob, what is it? Supplanter or deceiver. So, and names mean something in the Bible, and I, and I just throw it out to you. I think it's very important how we name our, our children, and because I think names are important. But a, a rejection of the birthright is to say that you despise it and find no value in it. So I'm sure that God was not pleased with Jacob's deception, especially later, the deception that's going to come later in his life. But at this point, Jacob at least appreciated the importance of the birthright. Jacob knew, now it may have been just because of wealth, but there's a spiritual emphasis on this thing of the birthright. Now, but of course, when man is not treated as he thinks he should be, or when things don't seem fair in our minds, we ask the next question. Look at verse 14, and God says, you know, when things are not going quite like we think they ought to, here's what we do. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? You see, we start to question God. God, that's just, that's not fair. And how many times we just think, God, that's just not fair. Hey, have y'all ever known anybody that served God and it just seemed like everything goes wrong for them? Anybody ever known that? Have you ever known anybody that served God and it seemed like things turned to gold in their hands? Why is that? Now, we down deep in our heart think, well, maybe there must be something secret in there. No, it's called God gets to choose whoever he wants to choose. God gets to do whatever he wants to do. You know, uh, I, 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 you know, the problem with studying this stuff is that you get so far ahead of yourself, and then I, you know, go to it, and then I... 
But he says, what shall we say? Is there righteousness with God? God forbid, for, for he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I have compassion on whom I will have compassion. You know, the truth is, God's not wrong for picking out somebody and in our minds blessing them while leaving somebody else unblessed. Now, the truth is, they're both blessed. It's in our perspective. Okay? And so, God is making, what He's making plain here in this passage is that is His sovereignty. He is God, and He's just simply saying to us, He's saying, that ought to be enough. Enough said. I'm God. And I'm sovereign, and I get to do whatever I want to. And if I lift, lift one up, I, I lift him up. If I put one down, I put him down. He's, he, has the right to, he has the right to choose some to be leaders. He has the right to allow others to be followers. He has, he has the right to choose some to be uh, preachers. He has the right to be, choose some as laborers. He has the right to, to choose some to be preachers over hundreds or maybe over tens, over hundreds. He has the right to have some as preachers over thousands. Does that make one preacher better than another? If anybody heard my preacher back in, in the 1980s, if, you'd, if you heard him very much, you heard him say often this statement. The most, the greatest preacher in the world is probably out in some little country town unknown. And you know what he was saying? The fact that God has the right to put you where he wants you and to use you how he wants you, that doesn't make one greater than the other. When he spoke of John the Baptist, he, he spoke of John the Baptist, and he said there's none greater born among women. You know, the reason I believe that John the Baptist was so great is simply because, look, other than the fact that he led Jerusalem in baptisms, you, you didn't get that, did you? All right. The, uh, he's, just, he's out in skins, so he's not, he's not dressing real stylishly. He's in skins. He's eating locusts and wild honey. Now, that's not exactly the meal everybody's running after. He's not even, he doesn't, you know, have a big crowd that really wants to come praise him. And eventually, they're going to throw him into prison and cut his head off. And God says, he's the greatest. There's none greater. Why? He did the will of God for his life. And that means, forgive me, I don't know how else to say it, but, but tonight, um, wherever, you know, John Wilkerson is up in, in First Baptist Church right now. If he's there tonight, he's preaching behind the pulpit. There's probably 1,500 people there, maybe a couple of thousand people there. If that's the will of God for his life, that's a wonderful thing. But he's no greater than I am right now in Calvary Baptist Church because I believe this is the will of God for my life. And if we switch places, we would take a mighty step down because we're not doing the will of God for our life. This is the will of God for my life. And therefore, it's... It, it, 
God can choose that. God decides that. God does that. I don't. I'd like to think y'all still believe it, but but a little over a year ago, about a year and a half ago now, when when I got the phone call to come here, I never have January open. I never have the whole month open. We way before we started traveling full time. I always had meetings in January. I I went 18 years to the same youth conference in January. The January this January 2016 was totally open. You say, what, why is that so important? Because that's when y'all needed somebody to come here. And I'd been telling Joe Beth all over Christmas, I said, why in the world, what's going on? Nothing's happening in January. Until we got, I was on, on the, uh, the tarmac going to Africa. And I get a call from this man. I should have hung up, but don't. No. no. I get a call from Brother Bob, and, and, and I, as soon as I hung up, I'm looking at, at, at Joe Beth sitting in the seat beside me on that jet getting ready to go to Africa, and I looked at her, and I said, I know why we didn't have any meetings in January. Now, I believe God brought us here. Please say amen. Come on, y'all, help me. He has the right to choose some to be leaders, some to be preachers, some to be laborers, some to be preachers in big churches, some small churches, some in country churches, some in city churches. He has the right to, to choose and put you some, uh, whatever God has done with you. He, you may own the business, you may work in the business. That's God's business though, what you're doing. My preacher years and years ago was a man chosen by God for a generation to lead and teach people. He was not chosen by, because of his pedigree. He was not chosen because of his genealogy or because of his great ability. He was simply chosen by God for a purpose, but his purpose was no greater than the man that God chose to paint the buildings or cut the grass. God chooses who he chooses for what he chooses. Verse 16, look at verse 16. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but God that showeth mercy. Now, just so clearly, God's saying it's not about, okay, just in simplistic terms, it's not about how much you, you, willpower you got to make things happen. It's not about how, how much you can work at or, or perform. It's not about how fast you can run to make. No, he said, it's not about that. God said it's just about his mercy. It's just about his mercy. So he chooses to give mercy to who he gives mercy, and he hardened who he hardened. You know, think about this. Jesus didn't heal everybody. Do you ever think about that, really? He didn't heal everybody. When he's, when he's being thronged and, and one woman touches his garment and she's healed, you don't think anybody else was needing of healing in that line? In that hundreds, maybe thousands of people? He didn't heal everybody. He chose and he healed some, and he didn't heal others. You say, well, why would God do that for his glory? Because he's God. Okay, maybe this will help a little bit. Have you ever given money to a beggar on the street? You ever stopped up at a, you know, going down here to get on the interstate 385 and they're, and they're, they're out there looking for money? Have you ever given money to anybody, any, any of those people? Anybody like that? Anybody other than 
Me that throws your money away? Okay. Ha- okay, you've given money. Have you ever had money and didn't give them money? Why? You're unjust. You're wicked. No, you're not. You were kind and gave money to somebody. And so is God. When he treats somebody good, God's still good. And can I tell you, he treats somebody good all the time. We just, again, it's in our perspective that we think somebody's not blessed. But, but this leads us to God's example of Pharaoh. And I'm, boy, I'm not going to get very far tonight. Verse 17, look at verse 17. Because this whole passage is a passage that's just absolutely used and abused. But it says, for the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he, and, and whom he will he hardeneth. And, and boy, this is taught so much. You see, Pharaoh, uh, God just raised him up. And by that terminology where they're saying God had him born. God raised him up from a child. He came up from a child just so God could harden his heart and send him to hell. That's not what it says at all. And I just want, uh, I've got to get through. God, for his glory, can show mercy or harden the heart, but regardless, it's for his glory. But I want you to notice uh, this thing about Pharaoh and the foreknowledge of God. Here's what I want you to understand. Genesis chapter 6, verse 3 says this, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is he also is flesh. So he says, he says you know, I'm going to come, and I'm going to come to uh, I'm going to come to every man, and I'm going to come to every man, but my spirit won't always strive with man. I won't always be trying to get that man because there's at sometimes you, there's a line that can be crossed, and again, that line's up to God, but you, that's why it's so dangerous. Don't say no to God too much. Because there is a line that can be crossed where God says, where you say, well, yeah, but, uh, you know, some people say, well, as long as you're, you, you're, you're alive and breathing, you know, God's still going to give you another chance. No, God didn't give Pharaoh another chance. You say, well, no, God started off, and this is what they teach all the time. God hardened Pharaoh's heart from the beginning. Pharaoh, listen to this now. There's a time and place for all men when they reject God where God will say, enough's enough. But notice again, this example of Pharaoh is not about salvation, although it is pretty apparent that Pharaoh rejects God. But this whole passage is not about salvation. This is about a man that God in foreknowledge knew would reject, and God allowed that rejection to be used to prove God's glory to all the known world. God is sovereign, and he can choose who he wants, but God also has foreknowledge and knows the choices that the people are going to make and from that, God then chooses that man to use him for God's glory. Now, to just demonstrate that God still gives man, each man, free will and simply knows the choices each man will make, you go to Exodus chapter 5, verses 1, 1 and 2, and, uh, and i got to hurry, but Exodus chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, it says, And afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, let my people go. So this is when they're gone to Pharaoh for the very first time. That they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And listen to this. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? 
I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Now, watch this now. This is before it ever says that God hardened his heart. He has the right, the choice right here. And he says, no, God. Not only no, see, he thought himself God. He's, already, he's actually not saying no to Moses. He's saying no to God. He's saying there is no other God but me. This is Pharaoh making a statement. It says nothing here of God hardening his heart at this moment. Chapter 7, now, that's in chapter uh, 5. Chapter 7, the Scripture talks about God hardened his heart. But now go to chapter 8. You've got to look at this. Chapter 8, verse 15. This is where I'll stop tonight. Chapter 8, verse 15. Now, it's already said that God hardened Pharaoh's heart in chapter 7. But I want, you to, I want you to see this because I believe God's trying to... God always puts information, evidence in there to show us that what, we're, what we want to believe, and I say want to believe because there's people that want to believe and want to teach that some people were created for hell and some people were created for heaven. And that, that God doesn't give everybody a choice. Now look, look at Exodus chapter 8 verse 15. But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart. Doesn't say God hardened his heart. He hardened his heart. He still, God's saying, look, I'm going to harden his heart. Yeah, you know when God hardened his heart? After he already spit in the face of God and said, you're not going anywhere. You're not getting away from me. You're not letting anybody go. Who is God? Who is this God you talk about? You know why he's saying that? Because he believes himself to be God. And it comes back and God says, I'm hardening his heart now. Pharaoh had one chance. One chance. And God, to prove it to us, says, now I've hardened his heart just like I told you I was going to harden his heart. I hardened his heart. But God also wants us to understand the free will of man has not been wiped away. And the very next chapter, chapter 8, verse 15, he lets us see he didn't harden the heart of Pharaoh. Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Folks, I guess what I'm trying to say, please, please search the Scripture. Please look for the evidence. Please look at every word and, and study it. There's a lot of, there's just a lot of false teachers out there. And they're as slick as they can be, and they will teach false doctrine. And here's what they'll do. Man, they'll pull those verses out of there, and nobody ever sees these. Now, well, I said I would stop because my time is up, but this time is Pharaoh hardened his heart. This, I believe, is to let us know that God gives every man a free will, and this verse is a demonstration of that will and a demonstration of a sovereign God who has foreknowledge of the choices that he makes. All right, I didn't finish nearly what I thought I was going to finish, but I'm at that 05 thing now, 05. I'm at 7.05, and I'm at 8.05, and I'm at 12.05 for this week. All right. God bless you.